I don't know how to introduce you because you do so much different shit. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how <laughs> you introduce that yourself. That is how man. people introduce me. Um, yeah, like at the at the studio, whenever people are taking people on tours, every time they walk past my door, because it's always you go past the studio doors, you go, oh, "This is yeah, uh, May. She's a painter. This is Mike. He's a sculptor. And they go, this is Wyatt, and he." Well, he kind of fucking does everything. <laughs> yeah, because like, this is that Neverland you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, it's um, I don't know. I kind of leaning more towards visual artist, I guess. But just in the regard that if there's something I visualize, I create it, and it doesn't yeah. really matter what medium, I'll figure it out. Yeah. So, I don't even mean art though. I mean like you're. Oh yeah. Well, I mean just like everything. Because <laughs> like when well, I first met you, I, I guess I did first meet you as an artist, as a photographer. Yeah. But then. My first impression of you after that was like mountains. Yeah. And your climbing. Well, because at that time I wasn't doing the same photography I'm doing now either. Yeah. I was doing lifestyle landscape cheers. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because at that time you were photographing mountains. Yeah. Pretty much consistently. Exclusively, yeah. Yeah. And I was doing some tourism stuff as well. Um, Lifestyle and, and just doing a lot of climbing with my friends. And then. Yeah, the the big shift of 2016 or yeah. 17 or whatever it was, and yeah, life just there's life changes, and I changed the direction of things, and um, started keeping the mountains to myself. Uh, yeah, it was it was. I mean, every every time you go through a massive life shift in one aspect of your life, the other aspects are going to change too, right? Oh, absolutely. So yeah. I at that point like trying to think of when we actually met what year it would have been it probably was 20 that would have been 2016 yeah because yeah. that was when i was still living back in spruce grove okay yeah yeah and then i think shortly after that maybe 2017 no no end of 2016 i went through a massive breakup and so my my whole like life shifted and I had started moving towards portraiture and I wanted to do more boudoir and everything. And I couldn't really do it in the relationship I was in. <laughs> because that's not it's not something you can just start. If you're no. a if you're a photographer and you shoot half naked women and, and stuff like that, and then you get into a relationship, it's just something you already do. Yeah. So it's normal. It's you know, they come into it with that expectation. Yeah. But if you're with a woman in in a relationship and then all of a sudden one day you just wake up and you're like hey so I was thinking I was going to do this thing it doesn't really <laughs> yeah. you know like it's not yeah it doesn't I can relate it to that yeah, yeah it doesn't get received as well um well I can I can relate to that from the opposite side because I was in a relationship okay. where she started doing boudoir oh yeah yeah and yeah. when before like none of that was a thing at all and then she started to get into it and I was like okay yeah <laughs> what is, is this like, this is different and yeah. then like because like this i was super young at that point too so like it i it pissed me off i was like i was like i don't want you to do this but then like i got used to it a little over time over time it just got better but it was like so yeah i can test to the other side of yeah that. it's yeah, like yeah. it's uh it's a little weird yeah but. and it's definitely like anything to do with uh industry making those changes while you're in a relationship is really tough no matter yeah. what side of it you're on oh absolutely. Um, so yeah i kind of i kept it tame and I just did some portraiture, but I mean, I could shoot a long time female friend in a parka 
in like downtown Calgary mm. and this chick would have been pissed off at me for spending yeah. time with another woman. Like it was to that degree. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when I got out of it, it was kind of just this release of freedom where I could do what I wanted to do mm. and push it as hard as I wanted to push it. So then yeah. I just started shooting nothing but that. Mm. Um, because I didn't want to suck at it. Yeah. And like, I didn't want to take, three, you wanted, yeah. I didn't want to take three years to get good at you it. You want to put like actual effort into it. Yeah. yeah. So like you can either spend three years and shoot once a week or you can spend one year and shoot at least three times a week and you're going to advance yeah. at the same kind of rate. So yeah. I went that route and I think I was shooting at least four times a week. Mm-hmm for like the first year Hmm. and it was heavy like just hammering out the shoots to try and build up a portfolio and to get better at it and just and you were developing your own film at this point too right or had you switched over yet so yeah this was i was shooting digital and starting to move towards film um and during this time period is when i switched entirely to film and sold my digital and it was i was spending so much time editing my shit to look like film yeah i was like i could just spend this time developing film yeah and then i don't have to because editing was like the vein of my existence i was just like i hated it so much um i had to get away from it and developing film was almost therapeutic just spending Mm. time in a dark room and yeah and just cranking the tunes drinking a beer or whatever developing film is just a process uh it was crazy i remember the first time i came to your place and i saw like your setup I was like, yeah. this is legit. Like it the looks little like meth a mad lab. scientist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's, yeah, like your your kitchen, your fridge didn't have any food in it. It had film in it. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was just, just like, like, like this guy's committed to the cause. Full of film and maybe a six pack of beer. That yeah. was, uh, yeah, I mean, when I was, when I started doing darkroom stuff and teaching myself how to print, uh, I had my enlarger set up on the stovetop. <laughs> and I had the the kitchen completely tarped off with industrial black plastic bags and gaff tape. And it was easier to just leave it set up. So for probably six months, I had no usable kitchen. Because there's, I mean, the chemicals you're using aren't really something you want to mix with your food. You know, you don't want to... <laughs> Uh, you don't want to get blicks in your Cheerios. <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be a good mix. You know, everything tastes like bleach. Um, but I created some really cool stuff in that in that little setup, and it was it was not ideal, but I think it adds to some of the pieces that I did. Like oh, my yeah. friends, uh, one of the first pieces I ever had go up in a gallery was a double exposure uh, triptych that I shot and it was three girls topless and they are doing the hear no, see no, speak no. But I took a shot of each girl with her hands by her side. And then I would do like for the speak no, the second photo was her holding her hand over her mouth. Mm. And then I overlaid those two images so you could see her mouth coming through her hand. But I overlaid them Mm. in post-processing because I wasn't, as familiar with double exposures as I am now. Yeah. And you mean like doing them in camera? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. So I shot different photos and then I'm trying to line up their faces on a piece of paper. So you're 
basically putting in one negative and blasting it onto this paper and having it somewhat lined up. Mm -hmm. And then you put in the other negative and you have to try and line it up on the countertop where it's going to line up with the other one. But when you look at that piece of paper, because it hasn't gone through the chemical yet, it's still just a white piece of paper yeah. and you put it in and then you blast the other image and you develop it and then you see if you lined it up right or not. And, and if not, then... the first two, the first one I got on the first try yeah. and I was like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> Second one, it took two tries and I could have got away with the first one, but I just wasn't quite happy with it. I was yeah. like, I could do better. And then the third one, the, the girl moved her head ever so slightly in between the shots oh so it just would not like like to get it to line up oh shit i think i i did it 17 times <laughs> to get the proper like to get it as good as i could yeah. and i just had this stack of failed prints that were like decent but also shitty but not, like just yeah. not good enough and that final piece was my first piece i ever put in a gallery and it went in the jerry thomas downtown calgary um, and I ended up selling it to some of my friends. Uh, one of my buddies bought it for his girlfriend, um, that, that trio piece. And it's in their house. And they've since had concerts in their house and stuff like that. And people will be like, I saw your, I saw your piece at Lucy and Andrews. Oh. And I was like, that's cool. Um, but that's actually the last piece that I did in my meth lab kitchen. Um, so it you know, everything down to where you develop and, and print and do all your your different processing goes into each image with film. And that's one of the beautiful things. There's that organic connection yeah, and that uh, like physical connection yeah. with places and time because it's not just a bunch of little like protons flying through the air or whatever it is with digital, right? It's yeah. not, well, it's in the cloud. It, it light travels through your camera, uh, from what you're seeing directly onto that film. Mm -hmm. And then you take that film and you do your chemical processing. And then you, you take that image on that film strip and you blast light through it again onto a piece of paper Yeah. and then your chemical processing. And then that piece of paper ends up as the final print that someone has in their house. So, something has actually physically touched mm -hmm. all the way from when you took that shot yeah. to that print that's on someone's wall. There's no just like import to Lightroom, save the file. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then like yeah. uh, export on the internet, print from Poster Jack. Yeah. And it shows up at your door four days later. Right? Yeah. It's uh, like, don't get me wrong. I still do that. It's handy. Yeah. But with printing film stuff, there is just this whole other level of yourself that you can put into the work. I feel like to do stuff like that, you have to be super passionate about it too. Yeah. Cause like if you were just kind of so, so about your photos, you wouldn't put that much effort into it. No. Yeah. No, you have to, you have to want to do good. Yeah, exactly. And you have to want to do better. Yeah. Cause like, you're not going to waste 17 pieces of darkroom paper on one print. Yeah. If you don't give a shit. Yeah. So, because you're paying money every try, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like every time you press the button on your camera, it costs you more money. Every time you mess up, it costs you more money. Every time you print a photo, it costs you money. Um, which, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's not about the money. But the money definitely limits you to 
the kind of failures you can have. Yeah. So makes you like, better. Feel yeah, like. yeah. It makes you have to get the shots. It makes you focused. You yeah. It's just like, um, like for climbing, mm-hmm. you know, when we're on the hind and you're on the low fifth class stuff with exposure and you're going, well, you know, I don't have to do great, but if I screw up right Probably now, should, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be great yeah. and it's going to cost me something. Yeah. Uh, now that's a little more like physical injury, <laughs> but it's the same idea with film where you have that something that you're tied to that you're going to lose. Yeah. That risk factor. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a whole nother level of consideration and focus that goes into it. So do you kind of see that, that like side of it, the risk factor and kind of everything you do then? Uh, yeah. I mean, cause it seems like you, you don't usually do like the, like you're into the mountains, you're into the film stuff. You don't just do easy easy yeah that's a good way to put it you don't do the easy stuff (laughs) i mean i do because i guess at the beginning of this i said you like photographed mountains but you didn't photograph mountains you climbed mountains and you took your camera with you yeah exactly like you were just you were just out there standing at the bottom taking nice photos yeah it was you know the the wave of instagram influencers but that wasn't why i was doing it or anything i was already out there um Yeah, there's definitely a risk over reward kind of calculation that I look at for everything. Um, but there's also the the mentality that the riskier it is, the more rewarding it can be. Yeah. Um, because the more you risk, the better it feels when you pull it off. Yeah, oh, exactly. So, and maybe take that back to me being a bit of an ad- adrenaline junkie for quite a a bit of my life a little bit um yeah explain what you do or what you did like you don't just you just you don't just climb mountains like i think that one of the reasons i was like had such a crazy first impression you is because like i'd met people who do like hiking and stuff but you you climb like you're as close to a mountaineer as it gets yeah it's (laughs) yeah it's it's alpinism Mm. um yeah i like to call myself a shitty mountaineer because like (laughs) there's so many people out there that are so much better than me uh, but I'm an insanely talented hiker mm. for sure <laughs> at that <laughs> level. You know, you're like, yeah. um, do you want to be at the bottom of the, at the bottom of the A class or at the top of the B class? Right. But yeah. no, I, I started out hiking and everything because Vancouver Island is beautiful and that's what you do. And then when I moved out to Alberta and kind of fell in love with the Rockies, hiking's great out there, but they have all the opportunity to scramble. Yeah. And that kind of found my my heart for a while because you could get your hands down and get into more technical stuff, but you didn't need the rope skills. Mm. Um, but just the way my personality type is, it gets boring fast. Yeah. So you just yeah. kind of keep pushing it further and further, and then you start getting into a few more climbs, and then... You know, going out with experienced friends who know a shit ton more than what I know. Yeah. Uh, and, and building off of those relationships. It's kind of the only way you can do that, isn't it? I mean, you can take courses. Yeah, and you but can you have to find that, guidance. But, it's not really something you just go out and figure out on your own. Yeah, because even after a course, you need to go out and practice those skills. Yeah. And if you don't have, you know, capable friends to do that with, then mm. you're not going to... I mean, achieve very much by practicing them by yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of the best way to do it. 
And that was part of the reason I joined Search and Rescue way back when was to meet people like that and mm. to get outdoors, get more training, do all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it just you get bored of one thing, so you push a little harder, and then you get bored of that, and you push a little harder, and then I kind of stumbled on alpinism and mountaineering, and it's the best of every world because you hike in through grueling hikes, mm-hmm. you know, going however many kilometers in elevation gain and stuff just to get to the mountain you even want to climb. Uh, but then you get to camp and you get to yeah. camp at beautiful Alpine lakes that no one ever gets to camp at. Yeah. Or very few people. And then on your way up, you usually get into some pretty technical scrambling and stuff where you're, it's just really flowy. You're kind of climbing. You don't have the rope on. It's cruisy. It's not quite as hard and it's just fun. Um, and then you get to the sections where you get to really scare yourself and you throw the rope on and you're placing gear and whether it's ice screws or cams, depending on the terrain, um, and you just you just keep going section by section until you're standing on top of the mountain and then you're halfway. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then you're halfway. And then yeah. you get the thrill of rappelling off of a a sling that's slung around a stack of loose boulders and, <laughs> or uh, rappelling off of a shoelace or you know I've seen rappel anchors on the sides of mountains where someone in an emergency had to rappel off a shoelace it's terrifying <laughs> like I would never like, uh. but uh, I guess also the thrill yeah and, and stuff can go wrong um, at a big cost but that's what keeps it keeps me interested. Yeah. Because I go through a hobby in about two years, and then I get bored of it. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of kind of the way my life has gone. Right. You you do something, you get bored of it after a couple of years because you kind of reach the point where you're like, I'm not going to get any better at this, or I'm not going to. You don't want to enjoy invest the time more, as much or, as you already yeah, have. Yeah. It doesn't scare me anymore. It doesn't. Yeah. I'm not learning anything anymore. Uh, and then you move on, but with mountaineering um, you learn something new every single time you go out so. can't climb every mountain yeah and, and every, every mountain has something yeah what was, what was your project you were trying to do all the 11,000 yeah I want to work through the 11,000ers at the Canadian Rockies yeah so and there's, there's how many the original list was 54 okay original um, yeah so they like find the new they, well they've or? like added some that are like 10,998 yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) no actually though um and they haven't been properly measured in 50 years or whatever the case is so everyone's like wow you know the data could be off and my gps says this so it's basically the geological society has said this is under 11,000 feet but now every single person who goes up there with an iPhone is like, well, my GPS says, yeah. So they've added four more that are questionable. <laughs> um, like, so now there's a list of 58. Okay. And there's actually some people right now going around with proper equipment and measuring them. Okay. And so I think some of those are going to get eliminated. Maybe a yeah. couple of them will make it in. I don't know, but the, yeah, the original list is 54 and the, the new list is 58 and I'm sitting at 16 right now and that's more than knockoff uh yeah like 14 of those happened in two years so it was like 
So I, if you like dedicate yourself, you could do it within like five or six years. Yeah, and there's people doing it. Like there's yeah. people knocking them off, but there's so much that factors into it. Weather yeah and timing and you know trying to work a day job and do everything else and And you're just doing this for yourself right yeah like i haven't heard you like i've heard you talk about it like every time i've talked to you pretty much but you've never said like oh i'm doing this and i'm doing this and i'm trying to share it and stuff like you're just out there yeah no i just want to do it yeah like it's not i'm not trying to get attention i'm not trying to get a sponsorship i'm not trying like i'm not I'm a shitty mountaineer. Like, I'm not good enough <laughs> to be, you know, like, getting at any sort of attention or, or, or money or anything. It's yeah. just dumb enough, I guess, to want to wanna pursue this stuff. And there's a good number of weekend warriors that want to go after it, too. I'm not the only one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess what makes it interesting for people that are involved in my life is that that's just one aspect of my life yeah if that was all i did outside of my day job people would be like okay cool that's just that's who why it is he's just like yeah. a weekend warrior does this but i think why people are so interested in every little aspect of my life is because of all of the little aspects and how they all yeah. kind of weirdly come together yeah because there's really nothing holding all the different things that i do together except for myself yeah is yeah i heard i heard a cool quote it was like a bear in a circus is cool. A unicycle in a circus is cool, but a bear riding a unicycle in a circus is really cool. Yeah. So it's just like <laughs> yeah. when you like things are cool on their own, but like when you combine them and just throw them all into one pot, it makes them way more interesting. Yeah. That's just like I. That's because that's kind of how like I identify you. Is like you're just someone who just like dives into shit and just keeps your life super interesting, doing all this different stuff. Yeah, I don't like to be bored. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I'll do extreme things to entertain myself yeah (laughs) and we talked about it a lot on the trip yeah um about me entertaining myself by essentially messing with society and social (laughs) media right yeah um yeah because yeah oh yeah that too because when i met you you were also kind of like a social media guy yeah you're an instagrammer yeah i was like you know, 20,000 followers or whatever when 20,000 was something that people cared about yeah and uh, I got so caught up in it too. Like I'm embarrassed to say it. I, I think everyone does. I think yeah. everyone who tries and does well gets caught in it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty rare that you find someone who like has a lot of followers and doesn't give a shit about it. Well, I remember right? like the day I hit 10K, shit just started showing up in the mail. Really? It was just like, people are like, you're an influencer. Can we send you this? And yeah. I'm just like, yeah, but I'm not going to lie if I don't like it. Yeah. Like, That's um, the way to do it. But yeah, it was it was weird, and then yeah, you get caught up in it, and then I found I did start going out to the mountains to get photos mm. for content. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I ended up switching my account because you didn't want to mess with just to, like your pure passion for the mountains. Yeah, and I started to yeah. like hate myself yeah. for it. Oh, I see that for sure too. Like I've definitely hundred percent started doing things purely because I thought it would take like a good photo. Yeah, even if I didn't want to photograph that. Like, I remember that was, like, a huge reason I started surfing. Like, I love surfing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'll do it without a camera every single day. But, like, surf photography was what made me want to start surfing. Yeah. But I think there's a big difference between wanting to do surf photography and wanting to create content for social media. Yeah. Because... But it was just, like, that that draw of, like, that's cool. 
Yeah. Right? Like that, like, I don't even know if I like it, but it looks cool. So I'm going <laughs> to maybe go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the differential though is, um, do you want to take amazing photos of people surfing and out in the water? Yeah. Or do you want to get likes on Instagram? Mm, yeah. Right. So if you are passionate about being a photographer, mm-hmm. you care about the photo. You yeah. don't care where the photo's going. You know, um, for me with a lot of my mountain stuff, especially all the film, when I, those two years, the last two years, when I did those 14 of 16, 11 thousanders, I shot those on film. Yeah. And most of those roles I haven't even developed yet Mm. because I'm very passionate about taking the photos while I'm up there and I'm very passionate about having those photographs, but I'm not in a rush Mm -hmm. to do something specific with them. I care about the photos. I don't care about where I share them. Yeah. So I think that's a big differentiating factor. Yeah. Like what your intentions are for the photos. Yeah. Kind of made you like crawl out of that little Instagram space. Yeah. Cause yeah. for a while it was, cause it just, it was like, I mean like obviously it wasn't an instant switch in your head, but like I remember you just kind of instantly went like, Nope, not doing this anymore. And you, your whole social media feed went to like what you do now, like girls in boudoir in like yeah. a week. <laughs> just yeah, like yeah. it just completely switched. Yeah. Cause I, man, I got so sick of people. Yeah. And so Instagram, the Instagram world is weird. Like I was getting hate mail about, about the switch. No, before the switch. That's part of the reason I did the switch was because I didn't share any locations. Oh, that's and a, and I was that's, one, a, that's a big topic out here and, yeah, on the and island because well, like it's it's not super popular. So everyone's yeah. like, do we share stuff and try to get it popular for tourism, or do we just like? Well, this was this was you know kind of when everyone was sharing locations because yeah. everyone wanted to be the next big influencer. Yeah, and the nice guys sharing all. The I stuff was and, trying to do it without sharing the locations, mm-hmm. just because I liked the photos. Yeah. And I just wanted people to appreciate the photos of beautiful places without wanting to follow in my footsteps every fucking place I went. And it got so ridiculous that people had this expectation if you posted a photo that you'd basically give them a map of how to get there. Yeah. So that they could go take the exact same photo. Yeah. That's what Instagram it's essentially so it's crazy because I've, I've had this conversation, exact same conversation with so many people. Yeah. So it, obviously it's true because everyone who I've met who is somewhat large or has some sort of following on Instagram or whatever platform it is, they get that. They get the, the they feel like they need to share absolutely everything they do. And if they don't, they get shit on basically. Yeah, chastised. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. So I was getting hate mail and people are like, you think you're better than us because you know where this is? Like, No. But two months ago, I didn't know where it was. Yeah. It's going to just like go find it. And I figured like if you want to find it, go find it. Like people that don't know how to research anymore. Yeah. Like that's a big thing. Actually, my dad and I had a conversation about it yesterday and about how we think the school system could be restructured. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> I agree with that like, one. Think about all the shit that you learned through school, through mm. all your school years. That I can even remember. That you can A, even remember and B, that you never use. Yeah. Instead of teaching people life skills and how to be better people. Mm-hmm. You know, so like if you take half that time, like, and we got into, you know, mathematics and everything, that's all important. 
Yeah. And you need to teach that to a degree. Yeah. But when you're looking at post-secondary, like you don't have to give me the prep for every single imaginable post-secondary mm. bullshit degree I could go into. Yeah. Um, especially for me, like going into trades yeah. and stuff. I, yeah, I'm going to use a bit of that math, but mm. I don't need like grade 12 trigonometry for what I do and anything that I, I would have taken from that. I don't think I've used anything. Yeah. That I can, that I can think of other than to get into university. Like but that's take some time and teach people how to actually research mm. things or how to be better people. Yeah. Just in every sense of the word yeah um well they, they teach you how to research but they teach you how to research on specific things right like they don't teach you general general like if you're interested about this topic in life here's how you find out about new topics it's like research this book or yeah. go to the library and research this topic and that's something that i definitely found that was that i wish i was taught more of in school because i was always told to research when you're in projects like go research yeah. this go research this but it was always like specifics like it's really rare that you're taught how to research you something that you actually want to find out it's yeah. like you go research an assignment that has been given to you yeah. which makes it so much harder to research because you're not passionate about the project well, and they're giving you a recipe on how to find it because it's a historical event yeah, exactly. And they go, okay, so you need to look up this exact thing. Yeah, it's like how do you find out something that hasn't happened yet? Yeah. Right? Like it's you need to that's a that's something that I think is hundred percent I learned by myself. Mm -hmm. Like no one helped me with that one. And I definitely had to I and no one told me I had to I had to find that out on my own either. It was just like something over time I realized I'm like I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I have no idea how to find out things that I want to find out unless it's something that already has happened and written on the internet already. Yeah. Right? Like, so teach us to learn yeah don't force us to learn specific things yeah well school is memorization yeah right it's not learning yeah a lot of it yeah but. like um if you could spend more time learning how to learn mm -hmm. and if they could teach you skills that would enable you to continue learning for the rest of your life yeah because we do anyways we learn for the rest of our lives and some yeah. of us better than others uh but if you could give everyone Kind of that same base platform to go off of uh, and expanding the mind a little bit into yeah. the different ways to do that. Well, I think one of the key things in that is just making sure whatever you're, whatever you're teaching them how to learn is that they're interested in it. Yeah. Right. And like interest, like you said, you get bored every two years of your hobbies and then you move on to something else and you want to learn something new, yeah. but you're not given that opportunity because you have to take this, this, and this in an elevating difficulty each year. And if you get bored of it, that sucks. You have four more years, yeah. right? Like you're not given the option to choose what you're most passionate about because I guess they don't trust that choice to young people yeah. or even people in university. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. That was definitely one thing I always struggled in school yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I see the patterns in my life. Pretty much everything in my life has lasted two years. Yeah. Every single like yeah. serious relationship I've had yeah two years two years like most of my hobbies two years like yeah. that's the, <laughs> the trend yeah you know you meet a girl and you're like all right this will be a good two years like, <laughs> uh yeah no it's it's a weird thing but and that's why people always think i've led such an interesting life because mm. people tend to get into one thing and once they've learned that yeah they're comfortable 
And so they'll continue to do the things they're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, not everyone wants to continue to push out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I just find that I guess two years is just kind of that timeline where I, I go from a point where I'm uncomfortable with it to a point where I'm bored with it. Yeah. Uh, so you're basically just replacing the word comfort with bored. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. To yeah. A degree. yeah. Yeah. In some aspects. Um, yeah. So everyone thinks, oh, you're such an interesting person. You've lived, you've lived five lives in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because my friends say, you've lived five lives. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you've known me from 20 to 30. Yeah. Every two years. Every two years, <laughs> something new. But that's like, that's something that I've actually been thinking about lately is a lot of times people will say like, oh, well, you can live a lot of life in five years or you can live a very little amount of life in five years. And there's kind of the, the perception of if you think that kind of the normal society is a weird way to put it or like word to use for it but like the normal life that like a person in society would live is they would do one thing for a long amount of time i'm trying to figure out how how to word this i've only ever thought about it um but and and they they see people like you as someone who lives a lot yeah but they don't picture it as someone as you're living normally you're living adventurous and they're living slow yeah right so it's like that's kind of like what I've tried to adopt over the past couple of years is like, I want to live fast. Like I want to live as, I want to learn as much as I can over yeah. these years and learn what I'm interested in. I want to travel and meet people. Live rich. Live rich. Yeah. Right. And it's just kind of like the whole difference of, do you want to pursue one thing for 10 years that you're not necessarily interested in, but will get you to somewhere that you're comfortable or do you want to just keep learning, keep learning, keep learning and maybe get to a life full of adventure where you lived more life by the time you were 30 than most people have lived by the time they were 80. Yeah. Right. And it's just, well, that's just, uh, that's the, the normal societal pace. Yeah. And that's what everyone's used to. Mm -hmm. That's what is beaten into people. And that's what, so if you break that, if you go against that, it's weird once you, cause once you break it, you, you, nobody goes back in. Oh, fuck no. Like you, you never, you hear people coming out of it, out of like going from yeah. kind of like regular society based mentality to breaking out of it. You never hear about someone going the opposite yeah. way. And it usually takes a major life change. Oh yeah. It's to, like, it's usually like something people. happens, yeah. like something major happens, whether it's like a near death experience or you have this big mental switch or something like that or a relationship yeah, or whatever. But yeah, I've never thought about that. How no one ever goes back to the normality. Yeah, no, it's... You know, the weird thing, too, that I've never really thought about is I always think of my life as being broken down into, like, two years at a time. But I've done the same job for 12 years. Yeah, so you've is, had something consistent. I have, like, one consistent thing in my yeah, life. Yeah, that you can say you do. my yeah. career, which is the weirdest thing because for a lot of people, everything in their life is consistent except mm-hmm. for their job. There's a lot of people who bounce jobs yeah. and things like that. Um, but everything else in their life is consistent. You know, they have the same hobbies straight yeah. through and everything else. But I guess that's that, a good point. Never thought of that either. That's also because I picked a career that I wouldn't get bored with. Yeah. Specifically for that reason, I I picked you know so HVAC refrigeration commercial troubleshooting because it's problem solving. Yeah. And I'll never get bored of problem solving. Mm. Uh. And every day that I go to work, I work on something different. Yeah. 
So even though I'm doing the same job, I do something different every day. Yeah. Uh, but with other things, rare. other things, it's harder to do that. Yeah. Like, cause you, you use the same skill set to fix all the different problems, but they all still challenge you. Yeah. Whereas photography and things like that, I find if you have an eye for something, you have an eye for something. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't go shoot a different topic of photography every day. Yeah. You could, but right. it's not going to challenge me the same because I'm not going to get the gratification. If yeah. I go shoot street, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is challenging. I, but I, but I like it. Yeah. Because I'm never going to get a good shot because I can't, I don't think. You don't think in that way. Street yeah. photography. That's something I found really interesting about photography is it like the different areas are like a different language. Like yeah. I, have a, I have a buddy in Australia who's like an amazing portraiture. He shoots, he shoots on like Hasselblad film stuff. He like loves, yeah. it's pretty much same thing as, same thing as you. Like he does all his own film. Like he can't shoot landscape. He can't, like he doesn't know how. Yeah. And he's been a photographer for like 25 years. Yeah. So it's just like, it's, it's interesting how photographers are put into the same box as like a photographer, but what they produce is so much Dude, I would it's be so there's so much difference. I would be the shittiest wedding photographer. <laughs> like the absolute shittiest. I would forget all the must have shots. Yeah. Well you because you focus on one shot. Like I like I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like when you go to shoot one specific model or you have one specific shoot, you have like an idea in mind that you want to get that one thing. Yeah, typically yeah. Which and, is way different than like documentary which is like what wedding is where you just go on like oh i have to get that i have to get that but i like doing uh like photojournalist style stuff yeah documentary in that sense Mm -hmm. but that's kind of almost crossing into the street but not yeah it's in the sense that i like telling a story of moments yeah and real moments Mm -hmm. (laughs) and consider me jaded but i don't call the list of shots that you take at a wedding <laughs> a story of real moments yeah it's, it's just it's pre-planned it's what you fucking do yeah like it's a recipe that's been around for hundreds of years yeah and to me that's not interesting yeah it's been done um if someone wanted to go have like a naked wedding at burning man and didn't <laughs> give a shit about the ring shot then i would shoot that shit in a heartbeat you know what i mean yeah. like because that's different and interesting mm. Uh, yeah, it's photography is a, it's a weird one in that regard. Cause there are so many different sides to it and some things are a recipe and some things aren't. Yeah. And you can be so interested in one and have zero interest in the other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I used to, I remember when I first got a camera, I was like zero interest in people. I'm like, there's no way. Like I like, why would I want to photograph someone? And now portraiture is like my favorite thing. Yeah. Doing like documentary style portraiture and doing like, um, just kind of like catching catching like live moments of people. Yeah. Doing their thing, whatever they're doing, right? And it, now that's what I'm most interested in. Whereas at the beginning, zero interest. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and to go back, um, I was gonna touch on uh, what you said about me having kind of one specific shot when I first started shooting like boudoir and everything else because yeah. i i i don't even know what to call the genre that i shoot now because it's kind of like it's just weird shit that involves nudity 
is kind of like yeah i wouldn't call it boudoir it's definitely boudoir is like yeah it's like lingerie it's like pretty like make you feel good about yourself kind of stuff and i still shoot that but i kind of call a lot of the style that i shoot cali grunge and it's kind of this retro like film california golden hour vibe but with a twist and it's kind of weird yeah because like boudoir is usually like somewhat posed yeah. I found with your photos a lot of time it's like not posed. It's like just It's funny because there's a way to get people to to take on a body position that you want without posing them. Yeah. And it's through getting them to do fluid mo- movements and things like that. Yeah. Um and I do pose people, but then it's the way you shoot it. And mm. having a I think the thing for me is I have to have a genuine human connection with the person I'm shooting Mm. so that I can get shots I like. If I'm shooting with someone who like they walk into the room and it's just like, I'm here to shoot. And I'm like, okay, sit on the couch. Great. Like we're going to get shit content. Yeah. Well, definitely with what you do too. It's not like you're just taking the portrait. It's like when it's like artistic nude stuff, it's like you have to be super fucking. Like I basically do a throwaway roll of film at the beginning of the shoot. Yeah. And it's just like, it's me loosening up. It's the model loosening up a little bit and yeah. just getting getting to know each other through the camera. Yeah. And then um, you can kind of then you can kind of get a little more comfortable and just say, okay, like now I want you to do this. I want you to do this. We're gonna yeah. do something. Um, you got to build that trust with them, especially because I, I do weird poses and things like that that aren't yeah. your typical no. force pose. And I like to leave things vulnerable. Yeah. I don't like to over edit things and make girls look fake with like no blemishes and stuff like yeah. that. I, I think that all women are beautiful and that you should just portray them the way they are. Yeah. So that's kind of what I go for. And so my posing isn't always going to be the most flattering. Yeah. But it, it is in a yeah. different Which sense. Which is weird because like that's often seen as like a bad photo. Yeah. In the commercial photo space. If it's not flattering, it's not a good photo. And yet I've found through doing that, I've kind of created my own kind of your own genre that everyone seems to like yeah if they don't like it they haven't told me so fuck them (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah i started just doing just doing random shoots and just shooting the shots that you're supposed to shoot and everything else and then mixing in the stuff that i was enjoying more and to get comfortable as a photographer takes a while too yeah Um, to get to a point where you can say hey i have a weird idea I basically need to put you upside down. Yeah. Just like having confidence in your, in your ability like to go, produce Go your over idea. to that wall and do a handstand and let yeah. gravity take over. Yeah. And then we're going to flip the photo. And it's just like, what, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, no one would ever do that. And then you end up with a really cool shot Yeah, that no one would ever do because it does kind of go against the recipe. Yeah. And, and I started easing more into that. And then I my mind just works in this way where I'll be at work or I'll be laying in bed reading a book or whatever the case is. And I get triggered by like a word or something like that or an item. And I'll think about that item and I'll go, there's something I could do with that. What could I do with that? What if I did this with that? What if we incorporated that into a photo like this? Or what if we did a photo like this? And then I get this idea for a very specific photo and for the last couple of years, I've been writing those photos down. Mm. Like I have this list 
on the notepad on my phone. It's like, nah, it's yeah. all weird shit. Like, it's all, yeah. if someone read this, they'd be like, it's like, who's, yeah. what the fuck? Like, <laughs> this guy's get checked out. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, put him on the watch list. And then you kind of get to a point in your life where, you know what? I just want to try shooting one of those. Yeah. And so you find someone that you've shot with before, typically. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm going to shoot an edgier concept, I'll work with someone I've worked with before because to get them to look natural while they're doing something weird yeah, is really hard. Like for a perfect example, yeah. I have that one photo where I basically took a plant and I planted it like in a girl's crotch. So oh yeah. Crotch it was like dirt and everything, like right? Dirt yeah, and everything with the plant growing out of yeah. her crotch. And like, that's a weird fucking concept. Well, it's something that like the, like you got to give a lot of credit to your models too. Oh yeah, because like like oh hundred percent. I couldn't do what I do without them being like yeah. But like the the level of comfort you have to have and trust yeah to let someone do that to you in any circumstance, whether if it's, it's photography or painting or whatever art, right? It's like you need to you need to have such a good understanding of trust with that person to let someone and, and have that's a concept why, with you like that. Yeah, and that's why with those photos. I typically only do stuff like that with people I've worked with before. Yeah. Because you wouldn't just like reach out to someone new and be no, like, hey, and like the last I have thing... this concept and you look like you'd fit it. Yeah, <laughs> no. Like the last thing I want to do is make someone uncomfortable. Yeah. and Which is something that I I think like that for someone, if someone just came to, some, like came to one of your galleries, saw your art for the first time, had no idea who you were, that's something that they would think is that like this looks like it would be really uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Like, this looks like it would throw people kind of on an edge. Yeah, but all those photos where I'm pushing it, it's... I mean, and I've had concepts where I talk to a model, whether I've shot with her before or not, and I say, hey, look, I have this idea, yeah, this concept for a shot, and it's usually for a single shot, and I just go, this is kind of what it involves. I'm not going to, like, tell you exactly what the shot is in case you don't want to do it. Yeah, because like I'm protective over, <laughs> over my creative my yeah. creative ideas, um, but I'll be like, this is the idea. I'll tell you more like when we're shooting and whatnot. But this mm. is this is everything you would have to be concerned about to make this shot happen. Yeah. If you don't want to do it, we're not going to do it. Yeah. And it's like, are you interested? And then if they say yes, it's like okay. But just because you say you're interested doesn't mean you have to do it. Yeah. So the day of the shoot. You get there and you go, okay, so this is the full concept. This is what I'm thinking. Are you cool with that? Yeah. And then it's a yes or no. Mm-hmm. And if it's a no, then it's, okay, cool. Let's just shoot some normal shit. Yeah. Like, Which is something that we talked about in the world of photography that's ridiculously important is having that level of respect. Yeah. Definitely if you're shooting anything to do with nudity of anybody. Even, which is a huge not even without just, the nudity just, just like any, you just yeah, have just anything but it's just like it's something human decency yeah. and respect yeah like we had a big conversation about that in the, in the tent yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her, deep, deep conversations on the side of the hind yeah, um, yeah just like about the the difficulty of entering that sort of creation yeah because of the trust that you need and the respect and you cannot have a bad name for yourself because no one will trust you and it's well and it's tough because there are so many shitty people out there right now well i mean there's there's always been shitty people out there yeah um and the awareness of it is fantastic 
way better it, now. It, it does make it hard yeah. for legitimate people though. It does. Even even this like even when I just approach a girl to shoot simple shit, like like just portraits or just like something that just like a really simple idea I have that's nothing it's not edgy, not nudity at yeah. all. It's like even at that point I'm still like a little bit hesitant. I'm like, okay, like make sure they know I'm a super nice guy. I'm not creepy. Like we can do this in a public place. Like I, I tick off everything. Yeah, and you try can to make sure bring that, like, someone with you. Yeah. Like I don't want to create that name for myself no matter what. Yeah. Right. And it's like, obviously there's, I don't have, I, I've never had ideas that would make me create a name for myself. Like I've never had the ideas, like the creation that you have, that it's like a little bit edgier and you yeah. have to have that big trust. But just like, it shows that how important that is and how, intense that can be is since i don't have those ideas i'm still worried about it well because people get labeled so easily yeah and i think i think like 98 percent of it is justified yeah right like you're not typically going to get a name for yourself overnight because someone decided they didn't like you no you you're gonna have a rap sheet yeah and so no matter what you do yeah i i'm i'm not like i don't walk around like ugh. I don't want to be on the list. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just, no, there's actually I a just, list. Yeah. you know, I just go through life going, I don't want to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. And like, well, okay. I shouldn't say that because I want to make society uncomfortable. And half of what I do is to make society uncomfortable, but I never want to make the people I'm working with uncomfortable. Yeah. And I never want to make my friends uncomfortable. And I never yeah. want to, um, I would just never want to make anyone feel shitty. I've mm. been in that position myself. Yeah. And it's not fun. So why would you want to do that to someone else? Mm-hmm. So it's just remaining that human decency. And that's why I don't typically approach people I haven't worked with with those concepts. Because it's not worth putting someone in a position to feel negatively towards an experience. Yeah. So by working with someone you've worked with before who, you know, when you're on a shoot, you're typically laughing and just joking around and talking about life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you already have that kind of level of trust and friendship. Yeah. It's a lot easier. And then also you kind of know where they're at creatively so they can help you with the concept. Yeah. And whatnot. And like when I'm doing stuff like the plant, I'm not planting the plant yeah. <laughs> in her crotch. She's doing it for me. Yeah. I'm just telling her what I want her to do. It's not like I'm like up in there like Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. and the for things and for things where I where the model can't do it, um, there's always the the option to have one of their friends come in or I'll have one of my female friends mm. come in and do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like um, that's the beautiful thing about having the space in the art studio yeah. and with sculpture work and stuff mm. from doing, uh, body casting yeah. and stuff like that. Um, you know, bringing in a female friend to, to put on the mold making mm-hmm. supplies and stuff is, uh, substantially easier for everyone Yeah, because you have a second set of hands, you have someone to work with and then like everyone else is more comfortable. Yeah. So there's that whole side to creating these images, but I guess to go back to the point 20 minutes later. um, (laughs) Yeah. Now I'm at a point where I'm working through this list of shots and I just say, Hey, I have an idea for a shot. This is all I care about. I call them portfolio level shots Mm. and they're just something that I could see this one particular photo that I have this concept for. That's what I want in my portfolio. 
Yeah. I don't give a shit what else we shoot that day. Mm-hmm. Um, all I care about is one photo. So I'll book a shoot just to make one photo happen. And then anything else that we do that day is pretty much for the model. Yeah. So, you know, whatever you want to shoot, we'll shoot. I just want to shoot this one photo. Yeah. And if they decide they're not comfortable, that's fine. I'll still shoot the other shit. But then I, I've got to book another shoot to make that shot happen because yeah. now I've got it in my head and I need to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and there's weird, weird shit, but it's all about finding the right yeah. people. Have you ever been reached out to for those photos? Oh, like I... from like brands I, and stuff? Um, from brands? Just because I'm just curious because like I don't know anybody who shoots like like you shoot. Yeah. So and like like usually every every genre of photography has their brands or people that are interested in that. Like do you I, get like I get fashion stuff. Okay. I've I've never had like a brand be like <laughs> Can you feature our our uh Yeah, like I've had a couple tattoo shops. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like um, stuff like that. Like stuff like that you could feature in a photo. Yeah, I've right? had I've had uh couple things like that some like lingerie companies um but the main thing that i've gotten is people wanting to put my photos on clothing Mm. like printing t-shirts oh yeah with that's a pretty because that's a pretty popular style of t-shirt yeah it's kind of like the The edgier kind of yeah so i've had a lot of that that'd be cool it is it is but like and I have a few friends that I'm going to work with on a couple of things. But at the same time, it's usually the conversation's very one-sided for those people. I had one guy approach me and he does like high-level men's fashion mm. stuff. And he wants to do like fully Canadian produced, like high-end quality t-shirts yeah. with my images on them. And then as soon as you start to talk about dollar value... It's like, okay, well, you know, if he's selling the shirts at 70, 80 bucks a piece for a t-shirt, yeah, I'm looking at $2 a shirt. Like they pay you? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I got to be selling a lot of shirts. And I, just, <laughs> I looked at him and I was like, I was like, you can, you know, you can come to me and we can have this conversation when you hit 20%. Yeah. Just like a little bit of respect for the work involved. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, you come to me with the number you come to me with, and like, I don't even have the time of day to have a conversation with you. Yeah, because without that photo, you're just selling another white T-shirt. Yeah. So if you want to do an artist series, respect the artist. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a weird one. Yeah, in like every form of art. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, if you. If you don't want to do a higher percentage per t-shirt, yeah, then buy the photo. Yeah. Buy the photo that you want. To. He goes, well, how much is that? And I said, well, it depends on your usage rights. Yeah. And I said, but that conversation starts at $1,000 a photo. Yeah. And he goes, oh, that's pretty steep. And that's I'm going, so, oh. that's so weird how people, cause like $1,000 a photo for like, let's just say you did that deal and you have like, he had all rights to print as many photos as he want. That's fucking cheap. Yeah. That's so cheap. Like, where else is it going to get that? Yeah. But, like, because it's, like, has that upfront cost, people get so scared of it. Yeah. And I've, I've found that is, like, the hardest thing in any form of art, in, like, selling art or making a living off art. It's just, like, people are so respectful of it until there's a dollar value. 
Well, it's and crazy. It's crazy too because I now that I'm doing sculpture work, yeah, I've had, you know, I see the difference between photography and sculpture. Yeah, and photography is such an oversaturated market because everyone and their dog is a photographer now. Yeah, if you have a phone, you're a photographer. Yeah, exactly. Which is not true, but that's the way the world looks. In the at eyes it. of the world, it is. To a photographer, it's not true, but in the yeah, eyes yeah. of the world, it's. Yeah. Steve Jobs believes that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so. There's this weird devalue devaluation, if sure. that's even that's a, a word now. If that's a term, yeah. we'll roll um, where where the oversaturation, you know, um, supply and demand. Yeah, there's so much supply. Too much supply that you just yeah. Well, what the fuck can you make for money off of it? Yeah. Because everyone's like, well, you're just, I'll just get another photographer. Kind of weeds out the passion from the career, though. You get what right? you pay for. Yeah. That's what I always say in life for everything. Yeah. Like, okay, you don't want to pay your photographer that much money. That's cool. If you want to go get a tattoo from a guy who charges $40 an hour. Yeah. Fucking go for it. Yeah. <laughs> but the guy who charges 250 bucks an hour is going to have a heyday when he's got to do the cover-up. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, no, that's that's definitely something that I've... But then you that's get... A good, that's a good analogy with tattoos. Yeah. Actually. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed that with video. Yeah. When I... Photography, I didn't really notice that as much as soon as I started getting into video. Um, and not that I'm by any means like a high-end, like like big production type video creator creator but like even when i got to the point that i was like confident like i can make you i can make a really good video for you and like i have full confidence that like you'll be happy with it it's like they would rather pay someone like 200 bucks who has no confidence he's like this is like my second job and it yeah. might create something good for you and then they might have to get a new video done in like two months because that one sucks they're not willing to make that upfront payment yeah. they don't see the and even people who are using that as an advertising device it's like if you're making money off of what i'm creating for you that's not going to come back to me that's just even more reason for me to up my price right it's the same thing as you putting you putting uh, the guy putting um your photos on a t-shirt yeah it's like if you're if you're not going to get anything from your idea from your creation from your skill why would you not charge a lot for that upfront? yeah because here's the thing you know you yeah you can make any t-shirt you want yeah but you can't make it with my photo on it yeah without me mm-hmm I can put my photo on any t-shirt I want. But you have that mentality. Maybe not yours. Of like, but it's like, like you have that protection over your photos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is like a specific mentality. a lot Because a lot of people, definitely people who are kind of starting out, they're like, yeah, here's my photo. Get my exposure. Get out there. And it's just like, it kind of... But that's because I don't create for other people. Yeah. And that's where the snap from the Instagram world and everything came in, right? It was like, yeah. wait a second. I don't do this for you people. Mm-hmm. I do this for me. And if you want to enjoy it, that's great. But it shouldn't cost me yeah. for you to enjoy it. Yeah. I, I noticed that a lot when I like, because I definitely have like my specific type of photography I like to do more. And it's the photos I like best, I don't want to share. Like yeah. that's kind of when I know I'm shooting something I'm actually passionate about. Because if I like throw it up on Instagram, it's usually because it's a photo that I'm like, it's a nice photo and it looks pretty, but like here, here you go world. Like here's what I created. But like if I take a photo, like even from even from this hike that we last did, like some of the photos of you guys, like the portraits of like when we were up on the rocks, I'm like, yeah. I don't want to share those. Those are just like, 
like those are sweet. Those are like sweet photos that I'm going to look back at and it's going to be like a sick memory, but it's not something that I care if anyone else sees. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, this is what I'm passionate about. Well, and then there's the other side. There's the showing versus selling. Mm. So, you know, doing a, a show of portraits. Yeah. Maybe you want to do a show and you want people to see these photos that you've taken, but you don't care to sell them. Mm. Right. And that's a lot of the work that I do. I want to show people my photos in print. Yeah. Because that's the best way to see a photo. Yeah. But it's that so different. doesn't mean I want to sell it. Yeah. So I can do an entire show, like the show that I have going on in Calgary right now with the Lost and Found film. Yeah. And then it's not my photos, but it's my work. Yeah. I mean, they're legally my photos, but they're not. I yeah. didn't press the button. Yeah. I just developed the film. Um, but that stuff, like, my intention for that show was never to sell yeah. the prints. I just wanted to show the world mm-hmm. what I'm working on. Yeah. And I think that's a very good, like, no pressure way to go into it. Of course, it doesn't really make you money as an artist. Yeah. But there's something about knowing your value and your worth and not undercutting yourself either. Mm. And if that means not selling it, if people don't want to pay what I think my photo is worth yeah. for that photo, I'm just not going to sell it. That's so hard though. That's so hard for so many people. Yeah. Like that's, that's like when people have that confidence in any work that they do, that's super impressive because so many people they'll like, I, I started that was super long time. Like I had no idea what I was worth. Like I had no idea my skill level compared to other people. And like, I had no idea what I could produce. And then when I got offered something, I'm like, oh, that must be what I'm worth because this is what this person sees in me in terms of like dollar value. And it's been really, really recently that I figured out that like when I have passion in a, in a photo or anything I do, like I want this for it or nothing. Yeah. And that's something like literally within maybe like the half year that I've actually started to get confidence to do. Yeah. And I've turned down way more stuff than I ever have. Oh, same. And it's scary as shit. But it's because awesome. It's 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 weird. It's like a really good feeling. You're like you're like wow. I actually have like the confidence in my work now to do that. But at the same time, I'm like, I hope someone else comes. <laughs> to, and you know what though? Yeah. Those those same people that you're turning down. Yeah. I've had those people come back six months later. Yeah. And be like I and, respect that. Now. And they go, okay, you know what? I have the money now. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I came to you originally because I love what you do. Mm. And I want what you do. Yeah. And no one else is going to do that for me. Mm. So you are worth what you say you're worth. Yeah. And part of that is doing something that other people aren't doing. So having your own style and doing things your way yeah. and doing the things that make you stand out are what enable you to do that and yeah. enable you to stand and, and charge what you want to charge and everything. And with my sculpture work right now, it's crazy because... You could tell someone this sculpture is worth $5,000. Yeah. And no one's going to be like, I could do that for cheaper. Yeah. Because the shit I'm doing, no one else is doing. Yeah. So there's a, a woman by the name of Katie Ohi, and she is an amazing sculptor out of Calgary. And she's in her 80s. She was an instructor at ACAD. Alberta College of Art and Design. Okay. Uh, for over two decades. Ooh, experience. And she knows 
some of the the best sculptors around the world yeah and she she's just she's incredible she's in her 80s and i'm i was doing some work at her house and in her shop and she's she's moving these sculptures around she works like with steel and things like that and she makes yeah and she makes these massive structures and then she puts bearings in them and everything so a lot of her sculptures have moving components that make them change as you look at them it's like crazy shit and she she's telling me about how when she was younger she used to have a key to uh like a bumper shop so she (laughs) could like go in in the middle of the night and chrome her sculptures (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when no one was there because she couldn't afford to get it done herself, right? Yeah. So she just had friends that worked there and she'd just get a key so she could sneak in there kind of thing. And <laughs> That's such a stuff. good story. And um, yeah, like she's just an an epic human being. Yeah. And so when I had my first couple resin sculptures done and I was doing a lot of work around her house, I'm, I'm going, okay, do I take her these pieces? Because as an artist you're a self-deprecating piece of shit and you think everything you do sucks so i'm looking at these things and i'm going like part of me thinks they're cool but part of me thinks you suck (laughs) and so i'm like you know what you're never going to even if she gives you feedback yeah and says do better that's a positive outcome yeah because to have someone with that wealth of knowledge give you feedback regardless Mm. of what it is is amazing yeah when you go to someone they tell you your shit's great you're like oh yeah that's awesome like thanks but it's like it's it's weird you're almost i feel like you don't know if it's fake or not yeah it's something you have to it's something that you learn over time it's like if everyone's always telling you that your shit is really good you're either better than everybody else or there's a lot of bullshit people that are just trying to make you feel good yeah and you're right? not and like definitely when you yeah exactly right <laughs> yeah. it's like when you go when you go to someone like this lady and they tell you that like you need to work on things that's like one of the most confidence building things you yeah. can have because it, it shows that like they believe that you can do things that you can't do exactly yet. Right? Yeah, so I took her these two sculptures, vastly different. One is from a series that I'm working on that's based around depression and anxiety. Mm. And uh, oh yeah, didn't you have like a show? A uh, ago? Or like no, a... I haven't done a show yet. I I you, I, what, what I was speaking on a panel for an event. Yeah, um, for an awareness event uh, based around mental health and art therapy for kids. Mm. Cool. And it was really wicked. But uh, yeah, I have this sculpture, and it's essentially a life cast of a hand, and it's reaching up through water. Mm. is what it, the visual is yeah. um, as if someone drowning and reaching for help and it's it's a, a direct visualization of an emotion that I've experienced through my mental health yeah. journey and then the other sculpture is a life cast of a partial female torso that is a visual representation or like a three dimensional representation of the double exposure photography that I do so mm. I have life cast part of a torso in clear resin filled with flowers which is mm. similar to my double exposure work but in a yeah that's cool different way i think i've seen that that's the one that's on the board right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. on the granadillo and walnut uh, backboard oh, that fancy. i built yeah i even did the woodwork on that oh nice everything man you got to do everything if you want that attention to detail yeah you can't just like you know go slap it on a piece of plywood after you drop like $600 on materials just to make the thing happen in the <laughs> yeah. first place. But 
I took those to her and I basically like like tell me what you think honest opinions yeah and she sat there the silence fucking killed me I'm like dying I'm like oh she fucking hates him <laughs> and she's very silent and then I realized no she's she's studying yeah and she's rotating and she goes i like the way this layer here plays off this i like the angle here and that's when i started to realize if someone really wants to compliment you and they really understand something they're going to compliment the little things and details yeah like that um yeah your friends who are just bullshitting you are just like yeah it's great yeah yeah right? if you just walked in then she's like yeah it's great if you're you, like you... i really like the color that you used here yeah it's more genuine which helps me in giving feedback to my friends on their work too, because yeah. I, I have more of a conscious check-in on what I'm actually saying to people. Yeah. But she kind of went through and she goes, I really like this. And she goes, you know, I like this. And what if you tried this? And have you ever thought about this? Mm. And then she goes, well, I have to say that I've never seen anything like it. And I went, that's all I was looking for. Yeah. It's like the best compliment you can get. Cause like if, if you've seen some of the world's best sculptors from all over the world, yeah, her property is covered in sculptures from mm. amazing sculptors from all over. And yet you and and you taught sculpture, yeah, at a university in Calgary for two decades, and you've still never seen what I'm doing. That's cool to me. That's a win. That means yeah. I have my niche, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I've really, I've really like seen a difference. And really, I knew that photography was oversaturated, but you don't realize it until you start to see other art forms and how they get treated differently. Yeah. And like, I've had someone walk up to me for one of my sculptures and, and offer me like thousands of dollars for it. Yeah. Like, it's not for sale, but thank you. Yeah. Like, it was definitely enough that I would have sold it for that if it had been for sale. Yeah. But it was the first piece in a series and it's an example piece. Mm. It's the piece that I use to show people what I'm trying to achieve in the yeah. entire body of work. And that piece will just unfortunately never be for sale. Fortunately. Um, or unfortunately. Unfortunately for them. Yeah. And unfortunately for my wallet. For your wallet. Yeah. Well, fortunately <laughs> for me, I get to, you know, hold on to it. Those are the best ones though. Yeah. Right. Like that's, but the thing is like the process that I've used, uh, to date makes every sculpture one of a kind that I'll never, I'll never be able to reproduce. Yeah. Um, and going forward, I'm changing some of the materials I use. So I'll be able to duplicate sculptures, but you not because you use like actual bodies that you can't like replicate. Well that, and then the, the mold making material that I use yeah, basically dries up and disintegrates after a few days. Oh. So like, I don't have the mold anymore. Oh, okay, I get it. Whereas so if you use like, like a, a silicone, yeah. you can pour that again. Yeah. And like you'll never match the flowers and the resin and everything perfectly. Yeah. So like they'll always be one of a kind, but the yeah. shape of the sculpture and everything and the yeah. detail. Like you could try, but you wouldn't be able to. Yeah, and like if you use silicone, you can like at least get the shape and everything and you yeah. can get a, a sculpture that looks almost identical. Yeah. So those I'll be able to duplicate, but currently the way I've been doing them, there's no... There's no, yeah. It's one and done. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I like unique yeah. things like that. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something I've thought about a lot, a lot lately is kind of, I definitely love photography. Um, 
I've, I've started, I think I've started to love it less when I'm not doing what I want to do. And that's kind of made me explore into other, I don't even want to say art forms, just like other create other ways of creating. Um, and like, obviously like a pot, like podcasting is something I've always wanted to do. And even podcasting is like a little bit saturated, but it's yeah. just, I've always wanted to do something that's like a little bit different. Like, like you obviously, like I don't want to just like come into the norm and like do what everyone else is doing. And like one of my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is like, if you're doing what everyone else is doing and you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, I've, I've kind of tried to live by that and it's made me explore, explore into areas that I never would have thought I would have even attempted to explore. I get that. Yeah. Well, and you know, I've been thinking a lot like this year, I've thought a lot about my portfolio mm. as an artist. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, when I, when I, when I send people to my website to go look at my portfolio as an artist, yeah. I don't want them to go on there and see a photographer. I don't want them to go on there and see a sculptor. I don't want them to go on there and yeah. see a photographer and a sculptor. I want them to go on there and see me as a very interesting person. Yeah. And the eclectic weirdo that I am. <laughs> And so just your creation. Yeah. And like part of like what I'm creating is my life. Yeah. And I want my life to be portfolio worthy. Yeah. And so this year I've been focusing on a lot of things and I have this new, this new home that I'm living in right now. That's uh 1910s heritage. And of course you saw my old heritage yeah. place that I had before from the 1920s. You just live in old fucking places. You know they have so much character <laughs> yeah. and like you can do so much cool stuff with them and they're perfect sets for shooting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um but basically right now I'm like one of my portfolio pieces is like the interior design of the place that I live. Mm. Right down to that because why not? So you just want everything to be like a original Wyatt Bronson. I'm curating my life the way I want it. And yeah. to be to be the creation that I want to be. Yeah. And so like right now I'm I'm working towards having this place. I've curated the art on the walls. It's all yeah. stuff that I enjoy, things that I've found, things that I've been given from friends, art that I've bought from from other artists yeah. that I know. Um right down to old literature. Yeah, uh, from different photography things. Mm. So you're make, like instead of be trying to become an artist, you're trying to make your life a piece of art. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And then I want my I want when people walk into my house. Yeah. I want it to feel like a scene out of Jumanji. <laughs> like, yeah, you were saying that. So that's great. Like all the house plants and everything. Everybody send white plants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please, uh, shit's expensive. So. <laughs> starving artist uh spend all my paychecks on plants <laughs> resin and film that's it um and climbing gear well i have all that now i'm okay, good but never mind. yeah good no go. we're good there just plants yeah but i started you know i've got all these plants all over and it's fantastic but then i started to realize like you know this doesn't look the way I want it to look. Mm. This doesn't look like a, a scene out of Jumanji because everything's in a pot. Yeah. You know, you see all these like pots. So then I started thinking, well, and, and my brain just like, there's flow, right? Everything that I do is come from some sort of flow yeah. where one idea starts and it flows into yeah. another idea and then it, and you go through. Um, 
nothing's solely it's original but nothing is solely original in your own life right like it's yeah. always stemmed from something new or from something yeah you've done in the past yeah and then or like an idea i had that i sat on for two years which mm. has changed 17 times since then and now i'm yeah. finally happy with it to a point where i'm gonna deliver it yeah and so i started thinking how can i make this look better so i'm going okay well instead of having planters mm. and pots why don't I start turning random household items into the planters and pots? Mm. So now I'm, you know, I've started gutting old mid-century radios putting, putting and things like that. Like armrests. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. But like gutting old radios and... That's something that I could see in like putting, 50 years is going to be like a, is going to be like a plaque in front of that house. And it's going to be like, yeah, this house is an art piece. And yeah, you yeah. And, yeah. And like my, my big monstera, my big split leaf, my mother plant, who's produced probably 10 babies at this point for other plants because she's <laughs> just out of control. Um, the big philodendron. I've got a bamboo lattice up the wall that I've started training this monstera to climb. So this mm. one section of my wall eventually will just be all split leaves hanging off the wall and then it'll climb all the way to the ceiling is the idea. Yeah. And this thing's cool. like, this thing's already like six feet tall, which is pretty dope. Um, and then I started thinking, you know, like the palm trees, everything like that's great, but it's like also tropical and I need a mix. So I yeah. started doing a lot more ivies and vines and things like that, that I can actually grow up the walls. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, having things come out of like the speakers of a, of a radio Yeah. and things like that. And then I want to essentially, well, I have this snake now. Oh yeah. Right. So like <laughs> I used to have a snake and now I have another really snake. So I have this, uh, I have this six foot albino boa and my dream tank for her is basically to get one of those big old entertainment units with the built-in TV and all the speakers. Okay, yeah. And gut that. And then have like the TV screen as like the glass into the... Oh. Yeah. And have that dope. like a full-on like... And have all the plants in there so it just looks like a totally overgrown like TV unit. Yeah. And then there's just going to be a giant snake in there. So like just... So you just put twists on everything. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Just like all around creation. Yeah, like... Or modifying, right? Because yeah. like it's something that like... Like the house thing that you just described. Repurposing. Yeah, it's like figuring out how to make it your own. Yeah. Yeah. And how to make everything in there an art piece. Yeah. And there's a built-in cabinet. And it's this old 1910s built-in cabinet with glass doors. And it's got these little porcelain doorknobs. Mm. And the doorknobs are great. The little handles. There's two of them. But I'm going, you know, it'd be cooler is if I took some of these prosthetic eyeballs that I have <laughs> and made you uh, a photo with those, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the girl's mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and took some of those. Like I'm currently making a brass ring that has like a child's eyeball in it. It's like, it sounds disturbing. It looks cool <laughs> if you bit. see it. Um, yeah. But this is, it's a collaboration with a jeweler. Okay. stuff which is kind of cool yeah and then it's a conversation piece because you wear this thing and people start talking to you about it and then it's actually a way for us to start increasing awareness about prosthetic eyes because my friend's uncle mm. actually runs a prosthetic eye clinic out of um perth and then also dubai 
and that's unique as fuck so we're yeah so like (laughs) they're giving me you know that do that they're giving me like prosthetic eyes that people have outgrown yeah and stuff like that and oh so they were like used yeah highly sanitized (laughs) yeah and then cleaned a few times. and then I washed them with dish soap as well, just so just like you could you know make sure that they were sanitary to put in your mouth. But um, <laughs> but it's you know people aren't used to seeing prosthetic eyes and stuff like that. So it's kind of like if you yeah if you hand one to someone and they look at it and then they see someone two years down the road they'll go oh I've seen one before yeah maybe I don't need to stare at this person yeah you know so. I like to think that everything that I do has some sort of underlying positive cause. It almost has like subconscious effect on people. Yeah. Right? Like Like everything has a purpose, mm -hmm. whether it's the primary purpose or not. Um, I want everything to have a positive effect. Yeah. And even when I talk about messing with society, that is my way of trying to get people within society to go back to a way of thinking for themselves Mm. that's not me like haha i'm malicious and you guys are idiots yeah because i tricked you and made you think this and i told you a false fact and you believed it (laughs) it's like okay you believe this maybe it's time to do some research yeah when you hear something that you think is remotely unbelievable yeah um and so like the eyeball thing, you know, it's, uh, I'm trying to do as many different things with these prosthetic eyes as I can and find different art creations, putting them in sculptures, making like doorknobs, whatever it is, rings, jewelry, that kind of stuff. And I'm not the first person to put it in a ring. Yeah. There are, there are a couple people out there doing that, but we're doing a very different one. I've hand carved a wax blank that we're then going to cast in brass and everything. Mm. Um, and it's just like these are all parts of one project that I have going on because I have so many different projects. But that main purpose is to try and just start a small awareness project yeah. where you can get people talking about eyeballs. Because hmm. anytime I've had one with me and people have seen it, they look at it and they go, oh, weird. I didn't know it looked like that. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not like shaped like a golf ball <laughs> because every prosthetic eye is different. Yeah, based off fit. based off how much well, muscle the person's like and like how much muscle the person is missing from their eye socket yeah. and things like that, it changes. So and they're never like a perfect circle or anything. Yeah, and like, I've never so, thought about that. Yeah, and my friend I've is actually me, like I've never thought about prosthetic eyes. Actually, I think yeah, this is the first time. Yeah, <laughs> she went to she went to Perth. My friend Sam, she's an amazing artist herself. She does charitable uh, streetwear. Okay, and stuff. Um, uh, Detro Originals is her thing, her thing. just to plug that plug yeah. um, for all the big listeners. Out yeah, there. all the huge huge following I have um, <laughs> for like just in case she hears it. Yeah, but it's it's like she went to Perth and painted these eyeballs, and like you don't realize how incredibly difficult, how much of an artist these people actually have to be to color match. It's like somebody's and everything eye. else, someone's eye. Like someone specific. Yeah. It's not just like, here's an eye I, I thought of in my head. But yeah, it's like, like actually. Hey, go over to the rack and find one that's close. Yeah. It's like, we're going to f- custom fit this to your eye and then we have to paint it to completely match your other eye. Yeah. Right down to the veins is like. Is that how they do it? So for the veins, it's like microscopic red thread. 
Whoa. that they use in there and shit. Like, there's so much that goes into a prosthetic eye, and you would never know that. Yeah. But when you have one on a ring, it's, and you're out at a bar, and and someone goes, "Whoa, what's that about?" Yeah. And it starts conversation, then you get then it opens up the ability for me to sit and have this exact conversation with someone. Yeah. And then for that person to have a different respect for people who have prosthetic eyes. And then you, they learn something too. And you normalize something that's not normalized. Yeah. Just like a lot of my photography, I'm trying to normalize nudity. Never thought about eyes yeah. like that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. And that's just one thing in the world. Yeah. You think about the amount of things, things out there. How many things you can touch on. Yeah. So like, I Is that want, kind of your goal? With like this whole two-year thing, it's like you just want to touch as many things as you can and make them your own. Yeah, but not even broken down in like two years. Like a structure. Just, just like, like you just want to touch as many things as you possibly can. Pretty much. Yeah. Just do as much as I can. And I want my portfolio to be ever-growing, never-ending. Mm. And I want people, like if they go on my website to see my portfolio, to be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like I don't want someone to go on and be like, that's cool. I want them to say, what the fuck? You want them to scroll through it because they're like trying to figure out what the fuck they're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. What's this? What's this? What's this? Is this all the same person? Yeah. Like that's kind of the idea. So, yeah. I don't know. It's weird, but I think that's what's going to make it stand out at the end. Yeah. So like there's my house. There's all the different individual pieces that have gone together to yeah. make that house. And that you're just house. you're giving yourself the freedom to chase anything that comes to your mind. Yep. Right? Like so many people are scared to do that. And I think the big Never thing, mind what you do, which is like actually scary, edgy, because it's something that people judge. Yeah. Right? Like it's something that you most people, I would say I would say most people would definitely look at your stuff and instantly go, That guy's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Or weird. But you don't give a fuck. Or whatever. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> You know what, man? I'm just happy to still be alive. Like I didn't yeah. think I was gonna be. I didn't think I'd still be alive at 31. So I'll take it. You're doing well. Yeah. Yeah. I've lived twice my life expectancy that I put on myself. Uh, so realistically, you're doing well. Everything I do from here on out is bonus, <laughs> and who cares what people think because it all ends the same way. Yeah. Um, but there was there was a thing a long time ago that I heard, and it was. And I don't know the quote exactly, and I wish I I wish I'd kept it, but probably some ten years ago I saw it, and it was, um, you know, if you do something that scares people, uh, you'll be the you'll be the weird guy, but then if you continue to do it, it will eventually become the thing that makes you stand out, mm. and it will be the thing that makes you unique, and it will eventually be the thing that people admire you for. Mm. So if you can be the weird guy, if you have something you want to do that people are going to judge you for, but if you really believe in it and you stick it out, mm. people will eventually respect you for it. Yeah. Having the courage to share what you really believe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like when you hear a song, you're like, I don't know if I like it. And you hear it again and you're like, it's okay. Yeah. You hear it again and you're like, Okay, it's not bad. And again, it's growing on me. Yeah. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Uh, people look at it and they go, well, I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah. But if you don't if you don't have that consistency of like just doing doing whatever that thing that weirded them out in the first place, you don't give people a chance to to, for it to grow on. You're them. always gonna be judged if you do something different that people aren't used to. 
Yeah. It's just the way it is because people yeah, that was, aren't used to it. Yeah, that was one. That was a quote I saw the other day. It's like, if you want to make everyone happy, don't create, sell ice cream. Right? It's like, there's no way to... There's no way to be creative. There's no way to have an opinion. There's no way to make anything new without offending anybody. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's impossible because there's so many people, there's so many opinions, and there's so many creators and so many ideas that... Yeah. There's, there's absolutely no way that everyone's going to agree with you no matter how nice you are or 100%. how nice you try to be, right? 100%. So you just got to, you just got to put the fact that pleasing people is important kind of at the back of your mind or kind of behind your like true passion, your true belief and your true ideas. And that's what kind of makes like an, a real artist, someone that creates in their own yep. mindset. Yeah. Well, 90 plus percent of society is afraid of change. Yeah. So if you do anything that challenges them, their ideals, mm. or what they're used to, you know, you're Yeah. You're gonna make people uncomfortable. Yeah. I found that like this wasn't not even by any means of intention or wasn't creation or anything, but just even when I, I remember when I went traveling for the first time, I had people reach out to me and be like, How'd you do it? I'm like, What do you mean how how did I do it? I just I fucking bought a plane ticket and then I went and they're like, okay, maybe I'll do it in like, like eight months. I'm like, well, if you want to do it now, just do it now. Right. It's like that, that mindset of like, I can't change now because I have to continue what I'm doing because it's safe and it's comfortable. And that's, that's a huge thing is the doing part of things. Yeah. Ideas are bullshit. Most people are creative. Yeah. Everyone's creative. But in their own way. But the amount of people that actually deliver, mm. right. And that's, yeah. and that comes back to the comfort thing, right? But because even, that's a society thing that creation is making sculptures. Creation is photography. Creation is writing books. It's like, if you're really fucking good at math, that's creation. Like you're an artist. Like if you're an insane mathematician and you can solve any problems and you're making up all this shit, like that's coming up with something out of your mind that was brought to you, not through someone else, but through your own thinking, your own doing is creation. Right down to painting the wall in your house exactly you want to put wallpaper up and curate the the artistic expression within your home i found a guy i went down a bit of a youtube hole the other day and i found a guy has a ton of subscribers he does drywall but he does the best fucking drywall you'll ever see like it's just like it's just shit like that i was like fuck yeah this guy is like he's taking something so like menial something that would most people would think is like a low-end job doing drywall and well have you met most drywallers no, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's, I'm sure it can also be menial, yeah. but it's just like the, the fact that this guy, he took something like that and turned it into something interesting yeah. that he can create every single day. Yeah. And it was just like, it just kind of was a reminder that like, no matter what you create, you just kind of have to do it. You have to share it or sell it. Yeah. But just do. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, people are so so afraid of being uncomfortable yes that a lot of people will never step outside because yeah a lot of people don't have what it takes to fail in the public eye mm. or like the mentality that it takes to Just be willing judgment. to fail yeah yeah and it's like what if people don't like it yeah who gives a shit yeah they're not gonna like everything you do yeah I don't like the fact that you don't push yourself you know like <laughs> for those people not yeah. for you obviously um yeah, I would I would much rather see someone try something and suck at it mm. than to see them just go through life like content with never pushing themselves. Yeah. So you're never going to please everyone mm-hmm. because if you're pleasing 99%, then the other 1% is going to think you're an idiot. Yeah. Or what, you know, like yeah. 
there's always that there's always that certain amount of people that won't agree yeah yeah pretty much yeah I don't know we leave it at that yeah that was a long time is it yeah probably I don't even know this thing doesn't show time but it's uh it's 8 o'clock so we've been here for a while oh yeah yeah that'll do it where uh what's put in all your like what's your Instagram and shit uh so brass speaking of Instagram (laughs) like bashing it (laughs) brass bricks uh just at brass bricks for Instagram and wyattbronson.com for my website, which has barely anything on it. But by the time this gets aired, maybe it'll have more. Maybe a little motivation. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> a little motivation. Yeah. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. Don't add me on Facebook. I don't like you. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Bye, everybody. Sweet. Well, that was Wyatt Bronson. Probably the most creative person, interesting person I know. Um, yeah, go check out his Instagram to see some of his crazy photography and some of the art he does. Um, but obviously, as he said, he doesn't share everything on there anymore. Uh, he's in Calgary, so keep an eye out if you are in Calgary for any of his art shows and all that kind of stuff. And thanks for listening.